On tonight's episode, Man City take a huge step towards their coronation as Arsenal and Premier League stay estranged. Tottenham doing spursy things while Aladici is back. Nature must be healing. This and much more in the Talkie Taka podcast. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new edition of the Talkie Taka podcast and as our viewers on YouTube might decipher I'm not sitting in front of a wall. I'm outside today because I am carless. So I need to be here to pick up my kids early, etc, etc. So you might hear some traffic in the background or kids jumping around. Please excuse us for that. But uh, having dispatched with the pleasantries, introducing our guests for today, Radhaji and RK. How are you boys? We meet after uh, the City Arsenal game, the climactic occasion that we talked about for uh, the season that's happened in fact we've had a few games after that as well how have you been rk what's your talkie point hey guys i can't afford to sit anywhere outside because it just stopped raining here my talkie moment of the week is uh, alejandro garnacho getting his new contract and the pep talk that ten hag gave to uh, garnacho in front of his family where he told that this is all because of uh, of your work and the work that you have put in and you deserve it and like like a normal pep talk but in front of the family which felt very nice to see so that's my talking moment of the week yeah and i'll let you uh, introduce uh, ashwin's talking point as well since he is not here but he asked us to include it i'll give you the honor of doing that as you are a fellow united fan Yeah so that is one of my favorite moments as well though talking to you guys i don't know the real motive now but uh, ashwin's talking moment uh, of the week was ten hag you know i'll put it this way because it sounds better ten hag taking the green and gold uh, like uh, you know flag or uh, like the scarf from a fan and then uh, taking it with him down the tunnel that's ashwin's talking moment of the week it showed that ten hag is on our side anti glazers I wonder what his glazer related sentiments will be if it's Radcliffe's offer that gets accepted but I think that's that's a question for a later date Radhaji you had a full plethora of talkie points to decide from what have you finally plumped for Yeah I mean in the interest of um um since we're anyway going to come to the Arsenal and Man City game I'm not going to talk about that one in my talkie moments uh in a season that's pretty much dead and buried um we had a pretty interesting talking moment from the liverpool game uh um against tottenham i think all the good football and 3-0 start aside nothing warms my cockles like seeing richarlison take his shirt off celebrate do the duck dance everything and then finally just 30 seconds later jota to go down the other end and score a winner it's such a typical like um as the liverpool fans in liverpool always try to make fun of everton they do so many evertonian things but you combine that with spurs and it's just the most spursy thing that could have ever happened uh, 4-3 winning like that didn't really matter so much for our season but it was really satisfying given uh, all the whole dramatic celebration that uh, richarlison had so yeah that's my talking moment spurs being spursy and richarlison not catching a break even after changing colors 
Yeah, and I think he's got the ball in the net three times this season. First time scores, takes off his shirt, gets booked. Goal ruled out, ruled off for offside. Second time, the same thing. Third time, does the chicken dance, gets the goal confirmed and goes on to lose the game in 30 seconds. So, as spursy as think, you can be. I think in the second occasion, he got sent off. So, yeah, he's just the most perfect blend for Spurs that you can ever imagine. Yeah, RK might have a different definition or different account of Spurs being Spursy after the United game, but uh, we shall get into it. Uh, my talkie point would be the Arsenal-Chelsea game yesterday and Zaka getting as many assists in a game as any individual Chelsea player has had this entire season. That tells you the state of the two clubs right now. And, a reinvigorated uh, Zaka at Arsenal and I have no clue what, what you even call what Chelsea are right now. On that amazingly positive and cheerful note, uh, let's get into the title battle. So Man City, inevitable as everyone has been calling them, as the twin RK has been jinxing all season, it's finally come to pass. They beat Arsenal, took, took over the lead. Haaland's now got the record for most goals in a season as well. There's just no stopping this juggernaut, is there? I mean, I think before the game, I was at 60-40. I think it was. Maybe it was 70-30. I can't remember anymore. But it's over now. It's all over. I was really happy that it came down to a shootout between the two teams. Um, Not very happy with what I saw from Arsenal. I think there was a clear level difference that uh, came out and I didn't expect that to happen during the game. I thought it will be a close game even though I expected Man City to win. It was um, their home game and they are more suited to these kinds of occasions with their experience. But I expected more of a fight from Arsenal. Um, but I think Man City just really put an exclamation point in in their season and everybody else's seasons and just told everybody, listen, I know a lot of haters around probably addressing me, uh, but they really shut everybody up. This, this was a performance to say, listen, all these pretenders that are coming and trying to punch above their weight, that's all great, but this is who we are, this is what we can do. Out of a bad season, they've just put together a run of games and now they're running away with the with the title. As much as Pep tries to say it's not over, it's, it's, it's over, we can call it now. Yeah, it's it's definitely over uh, after that result. Completely one-sided game, and I think like you know the most arrogant or the most confident moment in that game was probably at the end where you know Haaland just let his braid loose. He ran around five minutes with that braid loose, and then also scored a goal. I I, I don't think anything signifies you know total confidence other than that and then the guy has gone on to break the uh, like all time scoring record as well so i mean all in all it's just a culmination of you know how they have integrated Haaland successfully into the team we talked about it a lot but over the past month or two they have successfully integrated him and they look really you know very convincing outfit at the moment with Haaland in the team as well yeah i think that was a real candidate for a talkie moment of the week as well. I mean, that whole Viking hair down, um, head and shoulders model feel that was going, winning the title, get breaking the record for the most goals scored in a single season. Um, all of that was just pretty incredible. Um, 
Yeah, I think the perfect exclamation point on an exclamation point of a performance that that Haaland goal. Um, yeah, I'm, since then he scored a few more as well, so nothing stopping him now. Would it have been better for Arsenal had this game happened like six weeks ago when they didn't have to think about okay we have to play Liverpool and then City is still there? I think if it was before this sudden downturn, for sure it would have been better because they were in really good form. But if you look at the form table right now, they're probably what somewhere I'm going to guess around eight to twelfth. Uh, we can check that very quickly, but I'm sure that they are in the mid-table range. They've not had a good five-six games. So uh, at this point of time, I think the the lead up to the Man City game, I think there was a lot of there would have been questions on their confidence. There would have been questions on um, the importance of Saliba and how their defense is struggling without it. I'm sure there would have been a lot of self-doubt. Um, and all of that would have fueled Man City's confidence as well. Not that they need any; they're all they're pretty secure in the fact that they're the best team in the in the world in the country. Um, hopefully, that Real Madrid pull them down a few pegs on on, on our behalf. But um, in England, I don't think there's any competing with them for the league. Um, so yeah, I think definitely it was at the wrong time. Uh, not that not to say that if it was six weeks ago they would have won. I'm not sure, but it would have probably been a closer contest. Look, the, like the first time that Arsenal and City played each other, and that was at at the Emirates. Arsenal had just completed 19 games, and they had got 50 points. And coming into that Man City game was the worst run that they had shown all season, where they lost to Everton and probably they drew the next match or something. So that was basically their three-game sequence, including the City game where they got one point. So I, I'm not sure if. the impending city games are you know causing some kind of a mental flutter for arsenal because the same thing happened in feb as well the same thing happened now you again look at you know these fixtures that they had coming into the city game they drew against west ham uh, they drew against southampton th- th- these are games where you know you don't expect any league leader to kind of drop points so uh, it's it's completely on arsenal i think they they, they should have been you know Coming into both the games against City in much better momentum than they finally did, so I, I think I I don't think six weeks back it would have you know been anything different because we can always look at the Feb fixture as a you know proof to say that maybe Arsenal were overawed by facing City given their past very poor record against them and given that they always knew that City would be breathing down their necks so. uh and you know the, like the fact of the matter is that even in feb they had that eight point lead and they allowed it to become a very small lead at the end of it but you know all credit to city i was like they they uh, like probably they have won 12 of the last 13 games and one draws so that's like 13 games you're talking of 37 points that's i mean and and that's the standard that we have come to expect from city but it's so unreal Yeah, and I also found it a bit uh, condescending from Pep. I think it was yesterday where he was like, "Arsenal have finally achieved what their ultimate trophy is—to get back into the Champions League." So it's all good for them. Yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, at the end of the day, a prick gonna prick, right? Like uh, we're just fresh off some nice prick behavior in the IPL here in India as well. Um, you you can never change. Uh, a leopard can never change its spots let's 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 put it that way i think pep i does believe that he is superior to 
everybody else in the league i think he believes his team is superior he's ex- he he get he got really salty when uh, rightfully so there was a lot of criticism about the manchester city backroom and their sponsorships and all the things which was clear for the whole world to see that there's something really strange going on there he got really salty got defensive started making cocky statements so this has been a bit of a trend with him um he d- he made a similar comment um uh when when liverpool were challenging for the title as well um like a you know the underhanded uh, uh jibe or a or a veiled compliment of sorts this has been in his repertoire i am um, anyway i mean i don't really care so much at the end of the day it is true that arsenal are not perhaps at the same uh, are not at the caliber yet to challenge and win a title but they have definitely challenged them for a large part of the season they deserve credit for that um but arsenal i think like what what next now i mean when arsenal had a little bit of the hoodoo against liverpool uh, arteta got the whole sound system on playing you'll never walk alone and they trained in that i think they'll have to like maybe go back to the hold um uh, the the covid days and turn off all the sound in the stadium to practice on how it's going to be at the etihad then for next season does, does, does anyone even know what city's theme song is outside of manchester so yeah maybe crickets would work well i think that yeah, definitely seats a rustling in the wind but uh, you know radha talked about the weird compliments part that's the thing which i found most uh, you know condescending about you know whatever he said because whatever the expectations of arsenal at the start of the season you got to give it to them that they were leading the table by 8 points and everyone had you know had a right to dream about you know arsenal fans had a, had a right and arteta and his team had a right to dream about arsenal winning the title so i found that extremely you know the the, the way that he tried to give a compliment but you could see that you know bit of smugness on his face and you knew that you know he was taking their case that didn't come off well at all for me but yeah yeah I go back being that you know sam allardyce proves his legendary status against him at the weekend yeah you know go back to go back to barcelona i mean all those shitty barcelona were really un- insufferable at that point of time with their moral superiority their footballing superiority yeah so i think um, it's not the first time and i am sure it won't be the last but yeah whatever yeah and i think that's why pep when he had this barcelona madrid phase where jose was there he could not get that feeling of superiority because jose was in his prime as well this is why i think he got burned out and he he left barcelona when he did yeah he met his match i mean yeah, you, exactly. you don't uh, you don't uh, you don't play this game with uh, with jose and i think jose really got under his skin i remember that really foul mouth t- tirade that he had where he just came out swearing non stop uh, as the barcelona manager and <laughs> uh jose really got under his skin yeah but now maybe he'll meet his match like rk said with a uh, little little big sam uh back in the premier league i'm sure that he thinks of big sam as a peer at the same level of, as him so let's see how that pans out yeah we'll we'll get to big sam in a bit but uh, carrying on from uh, arsenal and man city you talked about spurs and richarlison what's happening there finally some bite in the old dog some fight back getting a point against united almost getting a point against liverpool while on the other hand chelsea is suffering again and 
yes listeners i can hear the kids in the background as well yeah i i mean if you're if you're going to compare them to chelsea then sure yeah things are looking good but uh, i don't believe just at least in the liverpool game of course in the in the united game they did well but in the liverpool game they were trash and if it if it wasn't for liverpool just falling asleep at the wheel handing the initiative back through some really poor defending really poor like second ball winning and just falling asleep basically i don't think that game was anywhere near close so yeah i think spurs were trash i think they st- they started off really poorly um they they tried to play the whole let's let's not be expansive let's be careful kind of thing it didn't work out well for them at, at all it looked like a team that had not trained that um yeah i think ryan mason on the side looks like a real like sure i mean it's a, he's a small time guy he doesn't look like any very impressive coach either i think it's a, it's about time that they quickly move on from him, from him um not Didn't seeing you, too many people getting linked to the job i just read chabi alonso yesterday i mean that's really not at the top of the footballing pyramid uh, that they're shopping from um although i'm sure chabi alonso would be an interesting one you, he has he has a, the potential but he's unproven uh, so yeah i'm not uh, i'm not so convinced that spurs are like in turning over a new leaf or anything of that sort i think they just got lucky perhaps in the in the liverpool game and they lost in the end so um not much to say about that they were decent against united though from my perspective you know spurs were not at all impressive in the second half as well it was the same thing which i also felt about united that they completely slept off after going to 2-0 up they just handed the initiative back and of course spurs playing at home probably got some kind of momentum from the home support but it was you could see that you know united players are not putting any pressure and you know not forcing or trying to force spurs into mistakes and that's how the pressure got built i don't think it was anything structural anything like superior about how spurs were playing so i mean nothing really uh, like for spurs fans to feel encouraged about and but you know having said that the last few fixtures don't seem to be you know that cruel to them so you never know you know that they might uh, you know get some points but i think spurs season is more or less petering out now so it's not, it's not really you know going to be harmful for anyone as such like uh, you know like the teams who are above spurs in the table yeah when it comes to playing against some possibly not very threatening teams the three words you said just just there rk i think will perfect, perfectly describe spurs you never know uh it could they could be playing a championship team a league one team you just never know with spurs i think there is always a little bit of a crazy gene there so yeah i mean i i fully expect them to draw like lose one of these games to a team that they didn't expect to lose to uh like what is really worrying about that draw is you know more of united's mentality for me than spurs you know playing well because if a team is in such a bad morale losing game after game lost the previous game so badly where you know like their morale is probably at the least level possible and then uh, like they go down to you 2-0 at half time you would expect any you know good team to kind of take advantage of that and press home that advantage and try to score more goals at least be more comfortable control the game and it was really you know befuddling for me that united didn't do any of that and just handed the initiative back to the team which least expected to be given the initiative back so united they are improving you know overall there's a lot of things to be proud of and we keep talking about that but i think the mentality is where united need to take a massive step up even the liverpool game i thought 
Liverpool switching off while probably Liverpool you can argue had lesser at stake than United but you know it's it's also a bit troubling that you, uh, at Liverpool at Anfield decided to give the initiative back uh, you know in that manner yeah i'm just being mindful that um, radha said something similar about arteta as he's just said about ryan mason i don't think lightning's going to strike twice but <laughs> let's let's hope not but uh, rk i wanted to uh, ask you about this uh, 100 million kitty that's apparently going to be available to man united this season in this summer despite the qataris coming in and ratcliffe coming in what's what's this about and how does this impact uh, possibly getting he who shall not be named victor rossiman coming into the club well, we are not dreaming that far for sure not dreaming of any big money signings i i think united will have to find value but uh, this is more about the depth which is you know piled up on the club if any new owner comes in and uh, you know they are able to immediately reduce the depth the transfer budget would go up is what i understand but having said that at 100 million plus sales uh sales i think we expect the sales to be i mean we, we are a bit optimistic obviously which we always are at the start of every summer but most fans do expect united to generate decent money from sales this season if you know players are uh, you know going out even the likes of you know maguire or mctominay fred th- there are six seven players who can get decent money for the club so if we are able to sell those six seven players dean henderson is also one of them we might be you know fingers crossed but we might just be able to top around let's say 100 million in sales but again given the transfer history of united and how we sell it's i think it, it uh, you know anyone would be legitimate to say that you're really dreaming uh, talking of united getting 100 million in sales uh, but as you rightly said swag uh, you know you talk of people like osimian you even talk of people like kaisedo who's uh, valued at 70 million 60 million or so the, the same goes for midfield players like mcallister who united are also after you know going by rumors when you talk of an average value of 60 70 million and if you want to bring in four five players you immediately are talking of 200 250 million transfer budget so 100 million plus sales definitely sounds you know very tough but let's see how we are able to generate money from sales i think that's becomes very important right now Yeah first first of all I don't believe this bullshit like this I've never once heard an accurate rumor about somebody's transfer budget being leaked in the news weeks before the it has never once been true and I don't believe it whatsoever like like as though if the right person right move comes along suddenly they won't make it happen that's not how top clubs work uh but broadly speaking I think RK if you're talking about getting five or six players of 60 million each yeah obviously that's not a one season start. like it's not a one season activity in my opinion i don't think tell i don't think it will it. be possible i mean let's not tell you about it you're clearly the only club who doesn't seem to get the memo even even man city behaves reasonably decently in this in the last few years compared to what chelsea have just done but um, if it's six five or six players that we're talking about and all of them being of that level of 50 60 70 million then it's definitely not a one season project and it has to be not just from the fact that it doesn't have you don't have enough money but exactly what's happening at chelsea right now as well you can't get such a large number of your core replaced in one season i think it does cause a bit of chaos um considering that there were three or four new people who joined this season another five or six in one season looks like it might be 
it'll be an entire starting 11 pretty much so that's a bit of a worry i think i think if it's like three guys who are Im- like big important players and a couple of under the radar kind of players i think that would be more uh, likely uh, is what i is what i feel um and that way if you're talking about whatever numbers i've been talking about which again i'm going to say i don't believe but 100 million plus sales should be should be okay i think to figure that out yeah i i completely agree with you it's it's more of you know three four big signings and maybe one or two free transfers or under the radar or you know young players that's that would even take your budget to 250 million in the current scenario so united being able to replicate what they did last summer i think becomes important talking of players you know uh, building a new fresh 11 is probably not completely uh, what we have in mind but it, you know you talk of replacing people who are not really contributing to the squad or probably who are who can get you some budget like let, let's say you're talking of people like you know dean henderson who's ba- basically spent the season on loan you talk of people like maguire who's 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 not a good fit at all with the system same goes for people like fred mctominay so you know how do you bring in players to replace those and those guys can then you know probably replace players like uh, erickson probably shouldn't be starting every game uh, so i mean those are the kind of signings that we are looking at and of course as uh, swag pointed out the striker is a very big you know signing so you know those players put together it comes to around five players that definitely united need no so what i meant was no matter who your who you're replacing in the system the players that you do sign are with a first team view right it's always that way so if you are going to have 9 10 11 first team players over the course of 12 months 15 months that is a lot of churn um yeah, so anyway the point is like probably one 80 million guy and a couple of 50 million guys and i think they'll be able to generate that kind of cash through sales like 8 70 80 million i do feel is realistic given like obviously it's not easy because everybody knows that they're trying to sell as well um so and the people that have high value obviously united won't won't want to get rid of either so but it'll it's not the most unreasonable budget to have i would say uh anyway but going by if you go with somebody like osimen then yeah then things change then it becomes like a one and done kind of uh, window that we're talking about like he himself will probably take off 120 130 million if the numbers in the news are to be believed yeah i i think i'm just reminded of this best ever uh, transfer rumor that uh, i read was harry maguire is feeling increasingly concerned that eric ten hag doesn't have a place for him in his system like harry didn't you get the memo of course a player who has won you know 11 consecutive games and he talks about that to the press he will feel uh, heartened by you know that like he's not being favored by the manager so i can i i you know i uh, can feel for harry uh, like harry maguire and how he feels right now yeah dsk i think said on the group that uh, harry maguire will probably cost money to get off uh, off the books but i i think it might be crucial what you get for folks like harry and phil jones how much that contributes to the kitty i think a club like west ham or nottingham forest might be willing to pay like 30 40 for them there is no chance in hell and phil jones honestly like come on he's not going to get any money but harry maguire 30 40 million i don't think if somebody is like uh, trying to make a statement and has no chance of signing harry maguire and wants to get them like 
the only person I can think of who fits that kind of criteria is Newcastle, and there's no way Newcastle want Harry Maguire. If that if they're making a statement signing, it's not going to be Harry Maguire. So there's no chance. I think 30, 40 million is is a little unrealistic there, uh, considering the last couple of seasons that he's had. Um, so yeah, but I, good 15, 20 million, I think, is realistic. I think. Yeah, I, I think for people who you know come up from the championship or people who are there in the or teams who are there in the bottom half of the table who defend a bit deeper, I, I feel uh, Maguire at twenty million odd would be a, like a really good signing to make. He, he's still not a bad player. But however, I I just want him to shut up and just focus on his own game. He has shown enough evidence despite all those eleven games trash talk winning sequence etc that he made to the press when. You know, Varane and Martinez got injured and he played that Sevilla game. That was enough to understand if Maguire plays along with De Gea, this is what is going to happen. And poor Lindelof has been caught in his crosshairs. Without Maguire, Lindelof looks like a really good player. Yeah, in, in fact, I think uh, if I remember correctly, Michael Cox actually called him last season. He called him the underrated player. So they were getting an underrated 11 and he got him in a centre-back. He said... He's, he's suffering because he's uh, paid next to Harry Maguire. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, Radha, anything special to call out for Liverpool? The season seems to be chugging along to its natural conclusion. Yeah, I think the, I think season. all this is doing is uh, giving back the Liverpool fan base some kind of faith that um, that you give this team enough time to train under this set of coaches and the manager things do turn around. I think that's the only thing to gain for us this season. Nine points behind, well, put potentially 10 points behind uh, United and nine points behind uh, uh, Newcastle with their games in hand and all that. Um, I don't I don't think there's any discussion of top four, even though there are people who are still saying that, hey, is there any hope and and whatnot? And one of them might might or might not be RK in this in this group as well. Um, but all that is bullshit. I, I, I think the season's done for sure, but it's very important for us to, to show good performances. I mean, results also aside, but to show good performances after the season that we've had. And what I've seen definitely over the last, say, five, six, seven games, the performances have been good. I think we are pressing the ball well. We are creating chances. I really like the attacking, um, the attacking play with Trent in that central role, it's, he's really, he's doing a great job of that. We have, we have a lot of work to do to get the balance right defensively, but from an attacking standpoint, it's, it's brought a new dimension to our play. Um, so great. And, and this is, it's not a coincidence that it's happened in the longest period of the season where we've had one game a week. Everybody's been able to train multiple sessions during the week, give Klopp some time. And of course, getting your players back from injury. Luis Diaz is back. You almost forgot what a bloody amazing player that guy is. He's he's rusty as hell, and he's already exciting in the few in the few minutes that he's played since he's come back. He just has this X factor that he just takes a player on, runs pa- runs past them like they're just standing still. Amazing player. Diogo Jota has come is back and he's got his scoring touch back again. So getting his important players back at the right time also has helped. Um, all the problems of midfield are still there, so that's one to watch out for this summer. I think with the Trent positional change and uh, with Fabinho playing slightly better now in the last two, three months, uh, what the, what does this mean in terms of the numbers that are coming in? Uh, it's, it's, I think I was thinking three people initially. Now I'm feeling it'll be one or two. 
um and i'm hearing that milner is going to join brighton as well so he was probably our ninth choice central midfielder um which is it's not really adding much value to the squad i mean he's adding a lot of value to the squad but from a playing standpoint i don't think he's um, he's that um high impact but although i really love him and i wish him all the best i think it's the right thing to do to start replacing people like milner and dare i say start thinking about even the likes of henderson so yeah i think it's about transition it's about the next season now for liverpool so keep going getting good results getting good performances more importantly and then work on that central midfield turnaround uh, um in the summer yeah that's about it there's nothing much else to no great uh, insights or comments on the on the matches we played or the results because it really doesn't matter that much yeah you know my concern is more about united's away form than you know liverpool uh, necessarily overtaking united i i know that you know united should by all accounts finish top four the season they really don't have you know any excuse if we screw it up from here but looking at liverpool's form and you know the uh, like the way that liverpool finished two seasons back and the fixtures that they have left it's not beyond imagination to say that you know liverpool can finish on 71 the main concern for united fans with the away form is you know united should finish above 71 points but can we do it or not especially with brighton and west ham uh, i i thought west ham was a home game but again that is also an away game and west ham will probably still be in a relegation battle so yeah if if we get through that then we will have one game a week i won't be too worried but as long as we are playing two games a week these away games you know bother united fans with our form RK is just clutching sure, at any okay, straws, sure. any let's, straws he can find. Let's let's just let's quantify this swag. We're talking about nine points in six games. I mean, because it's West Ham away. Just just put put this to bed, man. Come on, <laughs> it's done. Actually, actually, I think uh, before we move on to more interesting matters, just wanted to get uh, both of your thoughts on Alexis McAllister. both of your clubs linked to him both of your clubs looking for a midfielder is there a spicy transfer battle approaching in the summer now that jude is definitely not coming yeah see from a liverpool perspective i think we tend to steer clear of the really high um intensity transfer struggles i think like bellingham is a case in point uh there was a lot of chatter there was a lot of interest the moment it became clear that it was going to become a shootout between man city real madrid i think liverpool just immediately took their head um and obviously the finances of the deal as well i think liverpool took their hat out of the ring over there um mcallister it's an interesting one i think profile wise he fits completely i think we were all extremely impressed with his season at brighton and especially at the world cup he was an outstanding player this season for both the teams that he played for um he he will improve the energy and the running and also the box to box threat that we currently don't have so he he would be a good signing um i do feel however that the two attributes that i'm looking for in the midfielders that we get one of them is a actual tackling central defensive midfielder that we should have because fabinho has not been very dependable and there's no backup to him Uh, to him this season the other thing is somebody who can arrive in the box and score 10 goals a season i think that's a critical one which is why the the names i was 
looking at and getting more excited about were the likes of Mason Mount and some central defensive midfielders that we are being linked with. Um, I don't for a second believe that Caicedo is going to be one of them because like I said, I think Liverpool will steer clear of um, some of those which have a lot of interest in them. Um, so, I, I'm, I think he'll be a great signing but I do feel that there are other attributes in our midfield as well that need to be uh, sewn up, particularly the tackling uh, number six, uh, especially if we're going to do more of this Trent Alexander-Arnold switching to midfield and while we have the ball, we need a much more mobile central defensive midfielder. So, yeah, that's something that we're here to watch. I think, And we were linked with, we almost were, li- we, we were in the discussions uh, last year with Chuamini as well. So, that suggests that uh, we are looking for a midfielder in a profile like that. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it would be a great signing if we pull it off. But, of course, United is linked. Arsenal is linked. So, I, I don't believe anything at this stage. You know, I was uh, talking to DSK for our viewers. Another of our friends who was there on the pod earlier but then quit. So, uh, and, and we were talking of, you know, whether he fits the United requirement for a number 8 or not. And, you know, I was telling him that I am a very big fan from the World Cup itself to his work rate and how he passes the ball. And like I kind of compare him to a Gundogan in some ways. I thought that maybe, you know, Pep would be interested in replacing Gundogan, uh, you know, Gundogan with uh, McAllister, the style that he plays. But obviously now it's it seems like it's Liverpool who is more in the front runner. I, I haven't read any strong rumours. I don't know if what you guys said was a strong rumour about Liverpool, but I haven't read any really strong rumours about United being linked to McAllister yet. And I think United fans were also more impressed with Caicedo than McAllister uh, in the FA Cup semi-final because I think Caicedo was the guy who was picking up the ball from deep and doing all the forward passing. So, but again, Caicedo, Arsenal were very, very close to getting him. So, probably they are leading any other team in that race as well. So, uh, of course, we don't know if there are any other players who fit that mould. Let's see what happens. Yeah, so see, on, on McAllister, that the name you mentioned is exactly the midfielder that I want. I want an Ilkay Gundogan kind of midfielder who can, you know, does all the box-to-box stuff but also arrives and scores goals. I think McAllister is very similar to that and he would be a great signing. Uh, but then I think that probably means we are not in the running for Mason Mount, um, who would essentially be competing for the same kind of role in the midfield. Uh, Kaiseido is a totally different uh, ball game, and while I think a person like that would be w- welcomed in our current predicament, I don't think Liverpool will get into that game. Um, on the seriousness of the, it was a Fabrizio Romano nothing tweet, so it was absolutely no news. There was no uh, additional information that was shared. It was some generic ass bullshit like. Oh, Liverpool have shared the proposal with them. And while things are not closed, things are advancing. And the most generic transfer bullshit. I think he has a quota that every day he has to send out a certain number, number of tweets. And it, it seemed like one of that. So, yeah, I don't believe uh, any of that to be too seriously. You know, I, I don't want to move on from Liverpool without mentioning Klopp. Like two things that he did really like ruffled me up. So, like the first one was, uh, I think, was it Nunes who was planning to come on and like, you know, uh, what I learned later from Raza is that uh, Alcantara was, you know, translating for him. So, but you know, like the reaction on Klopp's face looked like if I was doing it, would I get that kiss? So, that, that was how it looked. And then, of course, you know, the celebration in front of the fourth official, 
and the fastest recovering hamstring in the world like uh, you, you know some people are dicks like you know klopp and kohli but you, but you still just like them because probably they leave it on the field unlike someone like a gautam gambhir no i, I mean uh, at this now you reminded me this all through the week that was going to be my talkie moment and i've just completely forgotten it for this episode but that celebration and the tearing of the hamstring is the most hilarious thing that 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 could happen i mean it's never nice i think he came out and apologized immediately for his behavior after the game it's never nice to do that to the official the fourth official wasn't the guy who was causing all the problems for us it was the actual official but i guess he he was in front of him and he was angry and he did what he did and he he regretted that immediately but and he also said it was karmic justice that he got injured and um, he's got the punishment but that bloody referee is roaming scot free so he said that in his uh, post match and he's going to get into trouble for it so he's very likely going to get a stadium ban uh, it's 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 currently being discussed and he'll probably get a stadium ban soon um but yeah hilarious moment uh, the karmic justice of it was really good to like it was fun to watch um and he's not recovered by the way uh, so in the last press conference as well somebody uh, cheekily asked him so yergen any any injury news from liverpool and on the how's the hamstring doing and he said that yeah lucky i'm not a player but it looks like it'll be a five week kind of uh, injury so it looks like a hamstring proper hamstring but luckily he doesn't have to run so he should be back for pre-season then all fit and fine and rested right oh he's fit and fine he's fit and fine he just has to stand there he can't do any of his amazing gyratic movements and celebrations anymore but uh, uh, but yeah i think that's probably all for the best yeah finally moving on to big old sam he's back he's uh, coming again for the title of being the best in line with pep and klopp as he's said earlier as well i think i'll i'll go back to second reference to michael cox this episode where um, in zonal marking he mentions that when when he actually came onto the scene with bolton he did quite a lot of uh, interesting things quite a lot of fitness related activities number crunching etc etc it might just be that he's now time has caught up with him but can he pull off something i don't even know if he needs to pull off something because leeds are not in the relegation zone as we speak it's it's only on goal difference but they're out of it right now and it might just be that he ends up losing all his games and still not getting relegated apparently he's going to get some 2 and a half million bonus if leeds don't get relegated so i think it's i'm just happy that there are other shit clubs in the premier league right now apart from chelsea it's the worst i i was talking earlier in the season to you guys about how it's amazing how there's not a single bad football playing team or manager in the league at that point um since then daish and now sam aladice are back in the league um i really now leeds are really my pick to go down i do not want a sam aladice team in the league that guy is the most full of shit guy that you can ever see on a football field i think 2011 10 sometime around then he said i don't deserve to be at bolton and blackburn i should be at real madrid or internationale or something like that and that and that he would win the treble every season if he was there i mean Damn, this 
this guy i i'm i have no patience for him if we we've been talking quite seriously about the likes of jose mourinho antonio conte rafa benitez and their style of management becoming a little obsolete i think sam allardyce's style of management was obsolete in 2008 after arsenal figured out how to manage that bloody bolton team i think sam allardyce is done there is no there is no like upside for him and i don't even I, I don't even know has he had a successful keeping the team up in the league a stint recently because I don't remember him doing that in the recent past. So if that is the case, then I mean even that was his only calling card that say Roy Hodgson and the others are still extending their career with. I don't think he's been in the reckoning for a lot of those roles recently. So I'm not sure. Let's see. Yeah, I, I, I think it's not. But the thing I love most about that that clip was. to have that confidence when your next two games are man city and newcastle i mean that takes some real balls imagine if he actually pulls it off imagine if he beats man city imagine the the shit storm that would happen if that you know happens. you know if he can take points of man city and because of which the title race you know goes into the last day respect to allardyce Yeah that'll be an achievement but if it happens we'll never hear the end of it because he will never stop talking about it for the rest of his life so yeah I'm not not very he's, excited about he's, that he's an amazing talker though so and if you look at it he's taken the pressure completely off the Leeds players because everyone is just talking about what he had to say Tammy Lee isn't here because he's on jury duty that is bad judgment on the part of the judge to not release him stuff like that He's 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 box office right now, and I think the final four games with him in charge of this Leeds team should be at least the press conferences should be fun. And in, an interesting point though, in that when you said he's as good as Klopp and uh, Guardiola, he also mentioned Arteta. So interesting, Arteta is now uh, being considered at that level. Arteta would uh, consider himself in the. pantheon of greats such as pep klopp and aladici anyway i think listener today i'll be handing over the quiz duties to radha because radha ji got a interesting take two on the chat gpt ai quiz so sir this is all yours please don't take that's right taking taking over after an absolutely abysmal performance from swags gpt attempt where one of his some of his questions were like what does the e stand for in epl and and shit like that um i'm telling you viewers uh, we're we're many decades away from artificial intelligence taking over the world let me read out the amazing question to you who scored the famous aguero goal that secured the epl title for manchester city in the 2011 12 season amazing quiz question which i eliminated all right i think with that we come to the end of it um swag should hopefully be back indoors for the next episode and we won't we won't be hearing about a, a bunch of, ch- of children screaming and uh, throwing stones at swag while he's at the park and this week do we have any big games to look forward to in the premier league let's see what we've got of course man city versus leeds Yeah, well, the Sam, the the battle of the great managers, Sam Allardyce and and Pep. Yes, I think Brighton are playing uh, tonight uh, against United. Yeah. That that's an important. That's, that's a pretty good game. Um, Newcastle Arsenal. Newcastle. That's a pretty good game as well. Uh, so Arsenal might just fall 
fall further in their race uh, for the for the premier league so yeah apart also, from that everton have a tough game against brighton at the weekend uh, or actually on monday um, so yeah a couple of interesting game forest against uh, sorry nottingham forest against southampton should be a blockbuster nottingham forest against southampton proper some some interesting games uh, this week we'll we'll watch we'll watch them we'll make our notes we'll talk about some random shit like spurs and we'll be back in a week have fun see you